you got to get a couple degrees away because no one wants to tell you that your baby's ugly and you need to get input on what is the problem and how what's the real problem because that's the hole you got to fill it's not the problem you think in your head hi i'm andy murray welcome to it's a customer's world podcast now more than ever, retailers and brands are accelerating their quest to be more customer-centric. But to be truly customer-centric, it requires both a shift in mindset and ways of working, not just in marketing, but in all parts of the organization. In this podcast series, I'll be talking with practitioners, thought leaders, and scholars to hear their thoughts on what it takes to be a leader in today's customer-centric world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. I think most would agree generative AI tools are destined to change the way we shop for groceries. Matter of fact, one of the top use cases for ChatGPT is building recipes and meal plans. However, at a grocery store level, that's only part of the solution. There's still a need to connect recipes with which brands and SKUs are the best match for the ingredients in your meal plan, what's in stock now, and then seamlessly working through how do you get all of that into your cart for checkout. That is the challenge my guest today is taking on with her startup. I'm talking about Katie Holtz. Katie is an entrepreneur and founder of the Charlotte-based startup Grocery Shoppy. In our conversation, we discuss the problem she solves for consumers and grocers, the power of shoppable recipes, the impact generative AI is having on how we search, and what is next in the world of retail technology. I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. So, Katie, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a real pleasure, and I'm looking forward to our time uh, to talk about grocery shopping. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me. Well, in this particular uh, podcast, we talk a lot about customer centricity and what it means to be customer centric. But before we jump into that, I'd love for you to share your personal journey that led you up to create grocery shopping. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Um, so, uh, so grocery shopping is a retail media technology, and we provide grocers with shoppable recipe solutions. How did that happen? Um, that really started with um, a, a frustrated uh, digital marketer. So, um, I happened to have a very strong background in digital marketing, really from the dawn of digital. I was the person at the bottom of the food chain, um, working with uh, HTML and uh, in figuring out a lot of the solutions to demand generation was just it was the first thing I ever got excited about in my career. and um, and then the evolution into performance marketing, which is the data side of marketing. And I was actually um, I'd had a couple attempts at entrepreneurism. And they, um, you know, you're not going to win every time. So I had a couple that didn't work out. And I actually decided to start solving for a personal problem that I had. And it was really um, this aha moment. Um, I was on the uh, playground with my kids. And a friend of mine came over and we were doing the same thing that a lot of women do on the playground. She's like, what are you doing for dinner? What's your, what are you doing? What are you making? Oh, that sounds great. Can you send that to me? And that was happening and um i remember thinking this is crazy this is crazy like why why is this and i said whatever you send me i'm not going to find it when i need it and so it doesn't even matter and um i decided to start just playing with solutions and kind of just drawing out what blueprints would look like for what should that shopping experience be 
And, um, and that's really how it all came to be. And I remember, I can tell you where my car was on the road when the light bulb went off and I'm like, if I could just build it inside of the tech stack and, and, and have it explode to cart and the whole bit. And then through the journey of building tech, you get behind the door with people, you get behind the curtain and they just start talking to you. Like, well, have you thought about private label? Have you thought about how it's going how's it, how's it going to get in the car? Like, what's the algorithm? And have you thought about um, how, how are you going to partner? How are you going to get to market? And you just baby step your way in. Um, but yeah, it was it was really that ad hoc that that aha moment of um, of building for myself. Um, but it was a time in life when I was I was getting my MBA. Uh, I was in consulting, so I was working fifty hour weeks. Um, I was raising two very small children, and, um, and I was married to someone who's gone all the time, it's a pilot. And so I was just really on my own to figure out dinner every night. And um, getting those blueprints put together was the beginning of a journey that uh, started and uh, I ended up getting laid off. Um, and I'm really open about the journey. I think it's just a great, everyone should have a side hustle. Um, but I, um, I, in that moment of getting laid off, I used that funding and uh, paid our first coders, our first UX designer. And uh, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to try this and see what happens. And that was I, I love it. You know, a lot of people uh, have asked me, when's the best time to become an entrepreneur? Uh, and I think it's your story. It's when you find a problem that you really want to yeah. solve and it's worth solving and you can't stop thinking about that problem. That's the time to become an entrepreneur, not when you just say, hey, I just want to start a business, you know, and see what see what could happen. No, you got to find a problem worth solving, right? And that's exactly what you did. Well, when you found um, it, the grind is real. Yeah. And, you, you know, you, that passion has to be, it has to last for years. And um, so you're going to be solving a problem that's very personal in order to really wake up every day. And uh, the funny thing in entrepreneur world is, is I love Mondays. You know, people yeah. put the bumper stickers on their cars and um, it, you have to love Mondays. Yeah. And um, I was corporate for 18 years. I did not love Mondays. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I've had half yeah. my career in corporate and half entrepreneurial. And I got to say, I do like Mondays better as an entrepreneur for sure. So, so at some point, though, pretty quickly, you had to figure out, is this customer problem one that more than a sample of one has? And so mm -hmm. take me on your discovery process to understand who your customer is, was and is, mm -hmm. and how did you learn about the customer and what uh, his or her needs were? Sure. So um, I began my journey with a incubator. And it was a customer discovery incubator. It's actually where I met my co-founder, Mike Johnson. He's he's our head of technology. And um, he was working on his own project. Um, but when you when you go through customer discovery, like the proper process, it's it's not what you think it is. And um, you begin with interviews that um, are with people who don't know you. This is not your mom and your sister and your sister-in-law. This is going on to Facebook and asking to interview all your friends relatives right you got to get a couple degrees away because no one wants to tell you that your baby's ugly and you need to get input on what is the problem and how what's the real problem because that's the hole you got to fill it's not the problem you think in your head and so that was um that was really the, the beginning of um like you know getting close to the problem and i remember going to the head of the uh, incubator years ago and i said i'm hearing the same thing over and over and over again he said well katie it's time to build your prototype it's time and um, and that was really a lot of interesting things that even today I quote all the time. Um, the the problem of getting through online grocery shopping was not really a topic at at the boardroom table at all. It's just it's online. They're online. If, if someone wants to buy, they can buy online. 
no one cared about the fact that it was an 84% card abandonment rate. No one really cared about the fact that the UX is terrible and that, you know, 40,000 items in the store sounds amazing. If I'm walking through one of my favorite large grocers, but 40,000 items online is a nightmare. I don't want to query that. Right. And, um, and really at the core of it, no one ever talked about meal planning. No one ever talked about the fact that all those items have to be combined to create an end goal. Yeah. Right. Well, how did and, you get um, in your process? Uh, take me through a little bit of the timeline. Did you start at once you had this really kind of desire to fix this problem and work on the problem? Did you go straight into the incubator process? And is that something you had experienced with before you went through it? Um, or did you already have a solution in mind and then this was validating the how you had already kind of designed it out? Yeah, no, um, I appreciate the possible attempt that I have done this before. I have not. Um, I, I, I am what they call, you know, and, and uh, well, I'm, I'm brand, brand new, a first time founder um, for this level of, of growth with the company. And it was really coming in and um, starting at zero. And I'll tell you, I've, I've, been, I've been doing this a while now in the industry. I talked to a lot of people who built and very often you're building for a problem and you're trying to find, um, or I'm sorry, you're building a solution and you're trying to find a problem to solve. That's really common. And so we came in and figured out like a couple things. Um, the, the busy person um, who, you know, 80, 88% plus is a woman, that busy person, um, she does not care what brand the diced tomatoes are. If she has one child in the home, she just wants them in the cart. Just put them in the cart. I don't care, I don't care what brand they are. And so there's little things like that where you start to go, okay, so we could probably do private label there. And you know, you start to you start to listen to the boardroom table. What are they asking for, right? What do they care about? They care about their margins. Um, they care about making more money online. They care about being you know being in the green online. You know, I mean, just like let, let, let's actually get let's actually get to a point of profitability. And so all of a sudden, you, you start to connect these dots and compile. Um, but it has to start. We didn't write a line of code until we had the input from over 300 parents. Um, I've, I've been dinged before because they're, they're all in the same region. People are like, oh, is it different needs in different places? Like, we, we work with national grocers now. No, it's not. It's really not that different. Um, it might be a different type of product, different type of you know, solution they're going for. But um, yeah, we've really found this, this, um, this essential process of building from the ground up with the need of the busy parents. Um, when, when our recipes get pushed into cart, um, we automatically email or text you those recipes. You never have to come back into the system. And it, it's conveniences that they've asked for that we answered. And I think that's, it's really, actually the, the, the cool thing, and, and it's something that I enunciate all the time, it's so simple. It's so simple, but it's taking all these simple elements and building out something that is, um, you know, a, a one-stop solution for a grocer um, and for brands, obviously. because so, you know, our recipes yeah. come from brands and bloggers. Well, you uh, solved it for yourself first and started thinking about that way. Then you saw a group of 300 inputs that mm -hmm. started to look good. And I'm sure you've done many now uh, pitches uh, for funding and investment. And one of the questions, obviously, is total addressable market, serviceable mm -hmm. market, those kind of traditional questions. Um, how big is this space in terms of moms and such that actively do meal planning and would raise their hand and say, I could use this? Like, I really do need some help. Yeah, um, I'm going to answer your question a little bit of a different way. The data that we have today, the current data, the top three buying groups across all of our stores on the platform are um, men between 34 and 44, women between 34 and 44, 
and women who are um, 55 plus. And it, so it's really all over the map. Um, you're finding there's a little bit of a cultural shift that we believe COVID had um, a very key role in playing, um, where you have a you have a very shared responsibility of cooking in the home, and um, so there's there's that. Um, and then you've got these um, uh, households that are close to empty nesters, and there's there's really answering their needs. And so when you think of a total addressable market, you're thinking about like who who's doing the grocery shopping and what what is what is the uh, need that we're solving for? We know that people still love to come in the store. Um, our technology actually maps into store as well. At the end of the day, every single person who's going to the grocery store is cooking something. Mm. Yeah. It, short of a, right. of a putting a microwave meal in the microwave, they're boiling water. They're pulling something together. And so you're really talking. It's, this is not about the 60,000 stores that exist in the United States. This is about looking really, really broadly at the amount of opportunity that exists within every single household. Even if they're doing something very simple, they could be doing more if you simplified the process. Well, it's interesting about simplification, but I, I also look at it in sometimes when we, we've done meal plans and then shopped accordingly, and when we just said we need to go to the grocery store, our food waste seems higher when we haven't been that thoughtful. And I don't know how many people think about it that way, but there is a cost associated to not planning well what your meals are going to be. And, and is that does that show up as a need in one of the need states for doing meal planning? Is look, I don't want to have a bunch of stuff left over that I'm not going to use. It is a cost. And so you think about um, the when you do meal plan, even if it's something like cilantro, like, well, I really only need half of it. So what else can I make with cilantro and throw the other half of it in it? Um, we like within our system, we actually have a pantry functionality. So it's actually going to save everything that you push to cart. And as you go to push your next set of recipes to cart, it's going to flag and give you a heads up and it can remove everything that you've already purchased if you don't need it again. That sort of data can be used in many, many ways to be more effective. Um, the request comes often from grocers to reuse remaining ingredients. Um, it's actually less common in our surveys with shoppers, but that doesn't mean they wouldn't use it. Um, sometimes you don't know what you don't know, right? And so there's a lot of testing and playground with that. Now that keep in mind that kind of tech's been available for a long time. I mean, we were prototyping. There was a group. No, it was scrappy, but it was a piece of tech. It was an app you could download on your mobile phone, and you could type in what's in your fridge, and it's going to compute recipes. I mean, listen, you can go to ChatGPT and do that right now, right? And so the um, that type of tech, like catching up to where that is, it's simple. You just have to be able to make it effective, where it's um, it's aligned with what, truly what you've already purchased. And at the essence, Andy, of what we're talking about is loyalty. Because in order for me to be able to tell you how you can use those remaining items, you have to come back to me. Uh, that's that's true. Yeah. yeah, and there's something about what you've built. I've had a chance to play around and look a bit, and I've been super impressed. I love the user interface. It's very uh, aesthetically designed well from a UX perspective, which you don't often get that in grocery apps, uh, to that look and feel. Uh, but it, But... For me, being able to say we've got you know different food allergies or whatever, being able to do meal planning with mm -hmm. some, a lot of different criteria, with especially if we're going to have the kids over and the grandkids, and it's it it can get quite complicated. But I love how it's been simplified. Is is what makes your brand so good? The deep proprietary tech or the ability to understand this customer segment and its need? Gosh, um, I have to say it's a blend of both. Okay. Um, we we 
we pride ourselves in knowing what the shopper's looking for and then trying to also deliver what the shopper doesn't know exists, but it could exist like video, right? Shuffle video. I mean, just thinking about like higher engagement, my brands win, my grocers win, my shopper wins. Looking for that sort of um, environment is really, really important to us. So being able to, um, you know, continue building in the space where you've got um, multiple parties benefiting from a piece of technology is very important. Yeah. And then for, t for those that may not know what the product's about and how how's it work, um, you work with grocers, right? You don't, it's not really a direct to consumer platform. Yeah. So it's, so it's unique in that regard. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of direct to consumer and there's a lot of, um, sort of, uh, recipe, um, shopple recipe tools that will take, um, um, you know, published content, static content to make it shoppable. Um, so what we do is we actually work directly with the grocer. So we contract with the grocer and we create a meal planning platform that is API driven, cloud native, machine learning enhanced. It is white label. So it's going to embrace the look and feel of the grocery store. We get that plugged into their tech stack. It's accessible from their homepage per their decisions. They can call it anything they want. They can source the um, action points directly into the system wherever they so choose. Um, we can authenticate the shopper on the way in the door. So there's no password. Uh, we also have guest access. And, um, and that's the meal planning platform. It integrates with their backend cart. Um, we can do list as well, but the preference here is to get it all the way to the finish line. That's the initial product offering. And then um, about late 2022, we started working with brands to show them how they can actually partner with retail media um, uh, processes that were already in place and allow recipes, which are the highest clicked content, short of a coupon, um, anywhere in social um, for a food brand grocer to deploy, get the recipes to lead the campaigns. When the recipe leads the campaigns and all of our recipes are coded so they can be deployed off platform anywhere, Pinterest, Facebook, Instagram, digital newsletter, circular, text, any email, anywhere you, you post that recipe, it's going to have up to a 32x increased engagement. And it's pulling the shopper from wherever they found it, single click or swipe directly into that grocer's experience. Recipe fully populated, one click to meal plan, one click to cart. See, no that, one can do that. No, they can. And I can speak it up until 2020 when I was still chief customer officer at Asda, the second largest ish grocery store in the in the UK. I would have given my right arm for this. And the way we worked through it, we had like a lot of YouTube videos on recipes and such and you know, showing mm -hmm. you know what we had, but but no one we could not, the technology was not there to connect the dots all the way through the cart. And so those recipes could be converted to the items we carried, not just mm -hmm. generic, you know, uh, items. And that's a, that's a pretty big lift. I mean, that that may sound simple, but it's 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 quite a bit of work to do what you just did. Thank you. Yes, and we we also were Microsoft partner for the first three years. We're part of their um, startup program, and so we worked with their engineers to write the keyword algorithm to get the products into the cart. Now it's evolved since then, and we use an AI engine now. But it, it's been just coming out of the gates, making sure that we're bringing something to market that doesn't exist. But also, it's retailer first. And as a businesswoman coming into this space, it was really shocking to me to see how how the brand the there was just a real imbalance and my grocers were not um the the, the technology they needed i didn't feel like was was easily accessible to them um where it was really leaning into what was important to them 
you know, getting getting their e-commerce that they're paying for every month fueled, getting their private label fueled, um, those elements, but but creating an ecosystem where everyone's benefiting, right? The shopper just she just needs awesome recipes and validations imperative. She doesn't just want random recipes. She just, she, you know, if she goes onto your recipe page on your site and she sees the same bunk cake twice, she's never coming back. I, never. And it's Why so hard as a retailer to keep that content fresh because that's not yeah. the real business we're in uh, to keep that content fresh. But you guys do that for the retailer, right? You provide and source the recipe and then convert those we recipes do. to the items that that particular retailer carries. Sure. Yeah. So, so not only do we have the massive catalog, which just gets bigger every day, and that is we, we work with the bloggers and the brands to fill that catalog up. And we work alongside the products that are the highest selling products for the grocers. So really making sure that we're mapping to the right type of product that your shoppers are looking for. That's A. B is then partnering with whomever we need to partner with. Um, there's going to be a partner in play to um, make sure that the uh, wh whoever's selling the ads for those touch points, it, it's different from every size grocer. You know, my independents are probably leaning on a third party. Um, some of my larger grocers, they have in-house retail media, but just making sure that we are now fueling those campaigns with recipes. So we get the highest click rates. It's deployed off platform. Um, they can come in as guest access. You're capturing net new shoppers. I mean, this is this is all about just capturing the white space opportunity that is uh, social media. And a lot of my grocers today, just it's 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 spray and pray, trying to get content out there and hope that someone's going to click on it and hope it does. We also capture all the data. We can see the entire path to purchase within our system. So we can show you exactly where your shoppers are coming in from, where's the highest return on your, your media dollar. It, it's just a totally different world of, of clarity. Um, that we can give our partners. Now, Katie, when um, these recipes, you create the recipes or you're using the recipes, um, we've got some family recipes and my son's cook and such. And to be able to share that, is that is that a, a, available where I could like yeah. say, hey, yeah. you know, you guys should try this. We, we made it. We loved it. And boom, mm -hmm. they could take that recipe and drive it right to a cart. Is that possible? Yep, yep. So we, it's, it's so interesting. Um, very early ask from people, but we kept saying, is anyone ever going to use this? And uh, we had it set up already because our, I mean, we have a whole in-house team that ingests recipes all day long. All those, all the recipes come from the bloggers and the brands. We don't have in-house shops. We don't create them ourselves. We don't need to. There's, there's plenty of recipes out there available. And so um, unlocking that access for a user uh, a shopper to be able to go in under their unique profile and to be able to add the recipe content exists today. Um, it is live with one of our stores in test and um, it's, it's something that'll very quickly and easily be rolled out. But I, I, I think it's really important. Um, people, we, had, we actually had a grocer come to us with a family recipe from one of their executives and computing that in, it's, it's a little bit of work. It really makes you think. A pinch of salt has to be quantified. Interesting. You know, interesting. Yeah, I mean, this is this is digital world, you know, and so, it's, you know, yeah, so, so standardizing can, language, I guess one would not think about that, you know, things yeah. like you, you use in cooking has to be converted to something that actually is on the shelf. Yep. And then the um, servings, you know, it's mm -hmm. there's there's a lot of um, we have an in-house group of food editors and they get very close to every recipe. We don't we don't discriminate. Doesn't matter where it comes from. Um, we have to make sure because it's getting ready to be um, shared at volume. And so we need to make sure that is it serving four people? Is it serving 12 people? Um, let's make sure we get to the core of that before we, we um, put it on the platform. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of work that still goes into it. So when um, uh, single users are um, adding their own recipe content, it's, um, 
you're, it, it's a free ride. You're on your own um, to make sure that the quantities, but pretty much when you talk to people, that's it, very much a holiday thing. They very much have recipes aligned with holidays. And um, typically in holidays, when you're a digital food platform of any sort, people are coming to you for everything except the entree, the, 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 um, the main event. They're coming to you for the sides, the breads, the appetizers, the desserts. And so to be able to give them a place to put all the ingredients for, you know, that steak marinade um, or that, you know, the, the turkey recipe and, and actually and then share it. Right. I mean, that's that's the next tier of this is making sure you share it. But then it's all can be fulfilled at X grocery store. That's our client. And so being able to share the link and it's single click to cart, it, it's just a totally different caliber. I love it. It's something that's really been missing in the grocery online experience. And I'm like you, I felt it very hard to browse the online experience. And this is one mm -hmm. closer step to browsing, but I'm browsing through a recipe portal, which I think makes a lot of sense um, from that standpoint. So, so what, uh, Katie, uh, happens to the basket for the retailer who's implemented this? Does it get bigger, smaller, uh, stay about the same? Tell yeah, me what happens. So so when shoppers are using our meal planning to fill their cart, they they actually have a meal plan that they're creating. And when they push that meal plan, they have just created a up to 30% larger cart by value and up to 40% larger cart by volume. That's amazing. That was, what insight do you have that causes that to happen? What what's going on there? You know, it's planning. That I, I know you're looking for something richer. It's planning. We have followed, we have, we watch um, at least a hundred shopping experiences every week. I have one employee and that's what he does. And he, we have studied and studied. They, those who use the planning tool continue coming back and, and just figure out what they're making for the week and they push it to cart. I actually have grocers that are, are uh, more rural. And the more rural the grocery is, the further people have to drive to get there, the less often they can go. Typically once a week, their numbers are 2X. 2x the other stores it, it's just it's planning it's figuring out because if when you add up the four times you go to the grocer in the week when you add that check up that's a big check right and so so what you're really doing now is you're putting thought into what you're actually going to need what do you need for the week right and that goes right back to using up ingredients you know do i need to if i'm going to have a half an onion a half a cucumber I've got, I've got a half a bag of kale what can i do with all this right and so the planning becomes really imperative um, getting the bigger cart is, is an awesome, um, just, just symptom of, of being able to be in the meal planning world. Um, I, I believe that the inspiration is still really our focus. I mean, I, I love that we create the bigger baskets, but, but providing the inspiration to the shopper, creating the stickiness, you know, the shoppers who use our system come back four times more often than a shopper who doesn't use our system. Wow. And then when it, you're putting those items together and you're starting to check out, what happens if the retailer doesn't have an item in stock that's in your recipe profile? What 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 does the system do? Yeah, so we use a three-pronged decision-making algorithm. There are proprietary elements to it. Um, however, the the beauty of private label when you're filling that way is it gives flex to the grocer, right? And that flex allows them. Some of my stores have multiple private labels, and so they they can pop, they can they can set up the selection process so that it maps to what's best suited for them. Um, when we go into a new account, they can actually tell us how they want that selection process lined up, which is great. And then we use an AI engine behind the whole thing. And so we always make sure there's a significant difference between fresh dill and produce and dill potato chips. Oh, well, yeah. 
You don't want to get that wrong. <laughs> you don't want to get that wrong. Up a Let me assure you, um, we've prepared some really interesting uh, sales decks going into prospective uh, grocer clients, and we've just found some pretty crazy stuff. And so you, it's easy to get it wrong. You have to have really strong tools in place to get a cart correct. If the cart's incorrect, you're now causing the shopper time. If you cost them time, they're not going to return. I love this idea, though, of going through a recipe filter that is smart because it's going after the, you know, I, I want the holes, not the drill. And so as, you know, that that particular saying goes, and uh, I've often, do, we in, in the UK, e-shopping, e grocery uh, home shopping is huge. It's a much bigger, more developed market. Mm -hmm. And um, it would be really challenging is if you put some items in and then it gets to checkout and it's done as substitution or subs they substitute afterwards. You know, you can't really, if you, if you don't know the implication to the recipe, um, and, and you're making those subs then, uh, at the, at the end, you could be way off base and you, you could miss out on that. It's a lot of extra work for the shopper to figure out the subs. And a lot of times what we'd end up doing is turning subs off because, you know, you diet Coke and Coke, those aren't substitutes for each other, right? If you're a diet Coke drinker, you just, you're not interested in, in Coke. And so the, the substitution engine can be really, underdeveloped for a lot of, I know there's a lot of work that goes into that and we did a lot of work on it, but even with that, I'd rather it come through a recipe lens of what's going to work, uh, mm -hmm. than, than come through a lens of just randomly getting your items. Agreed. There's, and there's a, um, a final decision-making with that matching process that is in partnership with the grocer. And yeah. so we do our best to, to, um, to offer our guidance with that. Um, the solution for us is not to not fulfill. So if, if we can't if we can't source X, um, we know that the sentiment when nothing is provided is negative. Um, so you think about potatoes, right? Um, you've got russet potatoes, you've got you know um, sweet potatoes, you have a very large variety, you have the little baby potatoes. Um, figuring out what that process is is part of our food editor's job when that recipe is computed. So we have to be able, cause you can't, there, there's a human element that is still gonna be in play for a while. Um, not forever, but it's gonna be in play for it. Cause you have to capture enough data and understand what substitutions take place when the checkout happens to go check, right? It's a check or an X, right? It's, it's, it's X is an O, uh, Excel. Um, and the, the opportunity to be able to showcase exactly what um, makes it to the cart and then know that that you know, shopper accepted it. Um, that process, there's a lot of guidance there. So yeah, we get very involved in it, but at the same time, um, there's, you know, the grocers have opinions and we lean into that. We're, we're just sort of watching. Um, when you are a tech platform, you partnerships are key. And um, there's a lot that's happening. Sometimes my grocer has in-house doing the shopping. Sometimes my grocer is partnering to a third party, actually most often to third party doing the shopping. Um, so there's a lot of decision-making that's happening and a lot of rules and regulations that we may or may not be able to impact. From the point of a grocer saying, you know what, I really like this idea, let's get started to up and running. What's that typical process look like in terms of time and effort? Is it a, is it a heavy lift or have you guys worked through that pretty well by now? Uh, if, if we're already on their um, uh, e-commerce platform, so we've already done the integration, it's days, it's a couple of days. And it's just days of back and forth, making sure that we're ironing out um, the wrinkles. On our side, it's really ours. If we don't have the integration, it can take anywhere from six to eight weeks, um, just simply because it's, it's a lot of lifting to come in and get that done. Um, but getting it done is, you know, it, it's a gift because we can come in and have a brand new partner, um, you know, and it uh, will open the doors for several other new partners, which is great. Yeah, excellent. 
Well, you spoke a few times about generative AI and, and where that might be going. Yeah. Uh, where do you see grocery shopping uh, evolving to over the next couple of years? And, and thankfully, you guys are right at a good time, I think, where it's a real need uh, to be yeah. able to simplify the, that experience and enhance it so well. But where do you see it going from here over the next couple of years? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so the the future of grocery shopping is not going in the store. And I know that's the wrong answer to many people. Um, but I would tell you, we work for the busy person. That is, that's my shopper. And so the busy person is not looking to um, spend their time walking the aisles. And that person needs to have their essentials replenished. And they need inspiration on new meal opportunities um, in the kitchen. Right, your essentials. I know that my son only eats one brand of granola bar. Period. Right, it's going to make it in the cart on every trip. Just put it in the cart. I don't. I don't need to. There's no discussion. Just put it in the cart. Right. Um, but I also know that I get really, really bored with taco night. And so when you can mix it up and show me different, and I love like avocados from Mexico is one of our partners. You know, throw a fresh recipe at me, and then we partner with a new salsa company recently. Throw a new recipe at me, right? So mix it up, and then it's single click get it in the cart. So we're trying new things. So I know the kids are going to eat tacos no matter what, but it's new things getting it into the cart. That to me, as a busy person, the day that I have time to go walk the aisles because I love finding new products, I can go do that. I would actually argue that there is just a whole sampling world that needs to get unlocked. Um, that's a whole nother interview. Um, but we've got, we have just epic correlation data. I mean, I just the opportunity to identify who's the, has the greatest statistical likelihood of adding anything to their cart period is, you know, something that we're sitting on. Um, so when you can get the sampling for the new products in the cart as well, digitally, that's Nirvana. Um, the um that's where i believe it's going how's generative ai going to get there so so generating anything that's going to be um through an ai driven system is going to have the, the most optimal outcome right because it's because it is just a mass amount of data driving that decision making so meal planning that's just the hottest thing now right everyone just goes to chat gpt type in what you want to make and you know, get your menu for the week when you're going to the beach, right? You know, we have one person that doesn't eat seafood, one person that doesn't, you know, um, and you start pumping out the meal plans, getting those meal plans to generate to cart. That's great. Um, loyalty will always have a very, very important place in the conversation with grocery stores. Do they know you? Do they know your preferences? Do they know that one of your children has a peanut allergy? No. They don't, not, to, not if you're just using random tools and you're getting pushed to random grocery stores, they're not gonna know that. And so that is really the blessing of getting aligned with a store and having your data get known. Um, so the opportunity for my grocers to get more savvy with generative AI, that's a path that I think myself and I know some of my other fellow founders in the tech space for grocery would say, they're gonna wanna hold our hand going down that path. Yeah, That's I, probably I think... not something they're gonna enter on their own. You mean without this sounding like a, a sales plug, because I am uh, for you, but I am really excited what you're doing, because I think what Generative AI, ChatGPT, is it opened people's eyes to a different way of thinking about search. You know, we don't want to search, we want to find. And the response back feels a lot like what you were already doing before ChatGPT. Um, so it only kind of reinforces my point of view that, in my point of view, it reinforces there's a different way to do this than a search-based approach, which is, you know, help me with the solutions I want and then take it all the way through those next steps. And, and um, a chat GPT or such, even with auto GPT, it's, it's not going to have that knowledge and connection to you that I think you've already worked out 
retailer by retailer and for my favorite store, my favorite preferences. I mean, you're miles ahead of all of that already, but I think it should give you a tailwind in terms of recalibrating for people how they can interface with technology in a completely different way uh, that you just get used to going in and at retailer.com and putting in, you know, the categories and starting to build lists and such. And that's, that's not, this is a very different experience. Think about the richness of being known, right? Mm -hmm. So when you do have a preferred retailer and they do have um, technology in place that is going to be able to compute for you within their ecosystem, right? Their, their infrastructure. And now you've got decisions getting made within walls. And that's that's a totally different game. Um, you're going from wide to very very narrow, um, but but they the experience is optimal. And so there's you know I'll, I'll stop myself there. I have to be careful not to get so excited riffing on on um, these sorts of interviews. But there there's a lot there, and I can tell you there's a lot of people working on that right now. Um, but but it, test and learn, epic amount of test and learn. And um, and sandboxing in that space, but that's that's just a wide open space, and I think that um, you it only gets better. Um, it's just really a matter of how loose the um, our government and um, really society is going to allow AI to roll before um, you know there's there's regulation on it. But I, I think within our safe place, it's yeah. it, it's just a fantastic it's, tool it's today. A great spot. For certain well, things. Tell me where you're at right now in your journey, Katie, to grow the yeah. company. Um, you know, what stage are you in? You've been up and running for two or three years. Um, and it, you've taken that plunge and done it, built a team, and you're rolling out. Uh, what's next? Um, thank you for asking. Um, so now that we have a very strong group of retailers um, that are on board, and um, we continue to grow that. We have now really focused our energy on getting the recipes into their media campaigns, whatever that looks like. That is the moment I'm in right now. And so allowing recipes to lead their retail media strategy is, is just the most optimal way to benefit the retailer, benefit the brands, the shoppers love it. I mean, the engagement rates are through the roof. And so that is um, the, my whole world right now is unlocking that through partnerships um, and relationships and, uh, and then direct kind of richer engagements with our existing clients. Um, that's today. Um, that is going to be a ride for us for quite a bit. Um, the 2024 is the data. Really, really getting closer to today. We're doing a lot of testing with our clients to see what kind of um, use cases they have for certain data sets that we we own, and being able to see how do we partner with you at a deeper level, right? How what what is it that we can do to help fill a hole for you so that you can be more personalized, um, improve targeting, and um, you know what what are your goals, retailer? And let us figure this out. Every retailer's got a different focus. And so um, unpacking that is um, my, my uh, master's background is um, in data and, and a real focus around um, the opportunity to sort of use data as part of a business strategy. And um, so I obviously get giddy on topics like this because we're finally getting to the place that I get so excited about. Um, but you have to have mass volume of users. You have to have mass volume of, you know, as a digital marketer, watching these recipes get plugged into campaigns it just makes my day. Um, and watching people get so excited and plan for the next campaign and things just sort of take off on their own. Um, yeah, so yeah, it, it's, it's incredibly fulfilling. Um, it's been a long time coming, 
You know, it's um, when we started this journey, Andy, um, the biggest obstacle that we had was um, people asking me if meal planning was a problem. Okay. Heck yeah. yeah. Oh, I got it. Every table, every conversation, mm. every, is this something we should even be looking at? That's mm. what they'd say. And it was, it was wild to me. Um, so go going from that to a global pandemic and, um, and then obviously, you know, when the price of groceries goes through the roof, um, there's a lot of drivers here and, and you also have a lot of, um, non cooks in the kitchen who weren't in the kitchen previously. All, I mean, the last three years, like the, all the behaviors have changed Yeah, and it's, so it's a great place to be right now and, and solving problems feels good. So yeah. we're, we're here for it. Well, I'm a huge fan because I, I use the product, the tool, yeah. and I think it's amazing. And it, it really does yeah. allow us to customize our dietary needs with what, you know, now with just you know, no kids at home, your cooking changes, everything changes, mm -hmm. and being able to not have a lot of food waste, but really get what you need, be able to have some really cool recipes discovered. It's 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 great. And it's a very different way to interact with your grocer uh, when you can you can go down this route. So well done to you. I can't wait to see what happens next and, uh, and do find uh, a way to get me any of the new features you've got coming out. So I'd love to be a test pilot for that yeah. to see what happens and, and how to learn because Will you're do. right on the cusp of how to be customer centric and really staying customer centric is so important to you. Uh, you've, uh, very few founders have taken the diligence and hard work in the front end to really work through what do their customers want before trying to get product market fit and building tools. And so you've done it. And I think that's a, a beautiful way to, to launch a business and it's already proving out for you. So well done for that. Thank you so much. I appreciate those kind words. Yep. Well, take care, Katie. And uh, I hope to see you soon. Thank you. You've been oh, lovely. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate this. That's it for this episode of It's a Customer's World. If you found this helpful and entertaining, I would be so grateful if you could share our show with your friends, and I'd be super happy if you subscribe so you can be updated as we publish new episodes. And if you really want to help, leave us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It's a Customer's World podcast is a product of the University of Arkansas's Customer-Centric Leadership Initiative and a Walton College original production.